Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Aaron Eisman. They call me Rabbi E, and this is not Hebrew school. We are about to take a deep dive into the Torah portion of Pinchas. I am here with one of my favorite people in this entire universe, and his name is Mr. Andrew Perlman. Mr. Andrew Perlman, you are looking spiffy in that haircut. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to today's episode. How are you doing, Rabbi? Doing amazing. Let us jump right in the portion of Pinchas. Shock full of incredible stories, incredible lessons. Let us dig deep. Balak wanted to attack the Jewish people, so he hired Bilam to curse the Jewish nation. That did not work. So instead, they sent out Midianite girls to come and seduce the Jewish men and to live with them and to serve idols. And because of that, many, many sinned. And there was a terrible plague that broke out and everything was going crazy. People were dying and it was chaos, sinning, dying until finally it all stopped when Pinchas came and committed a violent act and the plague stopped. And God applauded his act, but he didn't just applaud his act, he applauded, he applauded his act by granting him a covenant of peace. Now, it's interesting to note a covenant of peace is sort of not what you get for committing a violent act, maybe bravery, maybe zealotry, maybe dedication, but a covenant of peace. Why did Pinchas earn this covenant of peace for committing a violent act. And there's a beautiful idea within Judaism that everything we see and do is affects us. You know, that's why we're so careful about what we see on the internet, what we see, what kind of movies we see, violence, you know, you know, whatever we see, you know, if we're, if we're driving by and someone is getting arrested on the side of the street, I tell my kids, don't look. These things, you know, first of all, you're creating a human person, you don't have to uh, gawk. And, uh, and it, it, seeing someone um, uh, embarrassed like that, it, it affects us. You look online at clickbait, like click here and see someone get killed, or see someone get hit by a car. Right? These kind of things affect us. Everything affects us. So when Pinchas did this violent act, even though it was applauded by God, still it affected him, it affected him in a bad way. And therefore God to counteract the violent act that he had to do because he was in the right place, he was in the place to do it. When sometimes violence, um, sometimes violence stops, like in this case, it stopped the plague. And sometimes violence is necessary, but still it could affect you. And therefore God granted him a covenant of peace. We have the story of the Benos Slavchat, the daughters of Slavchat. The daughters of Slavchat had a great question, a groundbreaking question that they asked Moses. And um, they came to Moses and the Torah repeats the names of the daughters of Slavchat twice. They were Machla, Noah, Hagla, Milka, Tirza. So Rabbi Abedi Miller asks, why is it necessary to name the daughters of Tzlavchat? Just, just say, you know, the, the daughters of Tzlavchat. You know, they had a question. They were extra special, remarkable people. And 
it's interesting to note that in this generation, that this is a generation in the desert, there were so many sages, and 99% of the people in the desert aren't mentioned, their names are mentioned in the Torah. There's great, great, great people. And there's certain people that are mentioned, but, but the vast majority are not. Here the Torah takes time and, and adds five names, two times. And right, if you have a Torah scroll, a Torah scroll costs $150,000, $200,000. If one daughter of Tzlapchad is missing, the whole Torah scroll is invalid. Imagine the merit of being put in a Torah scroll. Why is it necessary that the daughters of Tzlapchad are in this Torah scroll? And he answers a beautiful thing. And that is a, an important lesson that we are really all in a Torah scroll. We are writing a, our own personal Torah scroll. The Torah includes them to tell us that they're average people just trying their best. They ask a good question. Let's give them the credit. Let's notice, notice them. Everything we do is written down. We are all writing our own book. There is a book of Andrew Pullman. There's a book of Rabbi E. There's a book of Mike and Sarah and, and Larry and, 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 and Rebecca. Every one of us is writing a book. Every one of us is writing a book and every single one of our actions is being written down. And the message of naming the daughter of Slavchat is you matter. It seems like a lot of pressure and it is a lot of pressure, but it's such a great opportunity. Everything I do today is going to be passed down. We also see from the daughters of Slavchat, they didn't only say their name, it says their, their ancestors back to Joseph. Seven generations, it traces them back. Why seven generations? Again, to say this idea that seven generations back, why would they... What, their question was based on the fact they loved Israel. They wanted a portion in the land of Israel. So wh why trace it back to Joseph? Because where did they get their love from the land of Israel? They got it from their ancestor, their ancestor Joseph. Joseph, you remember, Joseph was the leader of, of Egypt, and he died in Egypt, but he made his children swear to bring him back to Israel. And when the Jewish people left Egypt, the uh, Moses was busy with collecting the bones of Joseph to bring him to Israel. So that value system was passed down. So look at this investment that we have, my friends, that you do something, you think you smile at the mailman. So then that's a beautiful thing, but that's not it. When you smile at the mailman, your children see you smiling at the mailman and you are a smiler at the mailman. So your children become mailman smilers and then their children and then their children and then seven generations from now, when God willing, we're in the next world, we are still getting credit for the fact that our children are smiling at the mailman or whatever is delivering mail in seven generations. Maybe they're smiling at a robot or at a drone, right? That's probably not seven generations, it's probably closer. But anyway, right, whatever, they're, they're smiling at people. They're being kind and caring and considerate and compassionate. Why? Because seven generations ago, you inculcated in your children this value system. So the Torah is telling you their names, and not only their names, the names of their ancestors, to tell you our, our actions matter. And the, and the actions of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, every action we do creates an incredible energy that just goes on forever. So that is the story of the, the daughters of Tzlachet. I just want to point out another, another message from the daughters of Tzlachet. It's interesting to think when the, Jew, when the daughters of Tzlachet asked Moses, they asked him uh, this question, and Moses wasn't like sort of was dumbfounded. He didn't know what to do, and he went and asked God. But there's a beautiful idea um, that the commentaries bring down that Moses actually asked God because he was afraid that he was biased. 
he didn't want to be to rule on a case when he's biased. How is he biased? Because the daughters of Safed preface their question with the fact that Arman died. And but he didn't die from the story of Korah. A couple parshas ago, Korah. Uh, waged an argument with Moses and many people died and they said, oh, he, was, he, he wasn't involved in that. And Moses was afraid from that, oh, wow, he was on my side. He might feel biased to, this, to these daughters. And the Talmud has some incredible stories how, you know, somebody says to the judge, hey, you know, you have a you know, hurt on your shoulder and, and maybe the, the litigant wiped off the, the dirt. The judge recluses himself on the case. Why? Because obviously it's not consciously, but subconsciously, when someone does you a favor, they, you, you're going to be biased towards him. And Moses was afraid that he was going to be a little bit biased. And therefore he... Uh, therefore, therefore, he recludes. So that's why he asked God. Well, let's take a message from the story of of Slavka. That this seems like a, a a minor incident, but the Torah highlighting their names and their where they came from, and so much detail about it tells us that everything we do matters. And there's a book that we are writing. Let's make sure that it's a happy ending. Let's make sure it's a positive book. It's not a it's not a book of of it's not it's not it's not a book where we're not maximizing our potential, right? We say that in the next world after 120 years, God shows us the scariest thing in the world, the scariest thing in the world. What is the, what is the scariest thing that we can possibly be shown? And that is, we are shown our potential. That is, uh, that is very scary. We're shown what we could have been. We're shown what, what, you know, our potential. So let's make sure the book that we write is, is hitting every goal, hitting every potential, smiling at every ma- every mailman. You know, sometimes you're driving down the highway and you see, you know, accidentally you cut someone off or something, and they give you a dirty look, right? So the it's tempting to just give them a dirty look back, right? But you made a mistake. So how about if you smile and you wave and you say, "Oh, so sorry," right? It's a that's overcoming your character. Someone's yelling at you and you say, "Oh, so sorry." Someone insults you and you you don't you don't you don't yell back. Every opportunity, everything that we do is written down in our Torah scroll. Let's make sure that it's a happy, happy Torah scroll. And let's just end with the, the message in the end of the Torah portion, towards the end, is the laws of Rosh Chodesh. You know that just like Rosh Hashanah once a year, we also have Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is at the beginning of the month. And at the beginning of the month, there's a, it's, Rosh Chodesh is called a sign. And there's repentance that has to be done on Rosh Chodesh. And the idea is that just like on Rosh Hashanah, we look back on the year and say, you know, what did I do? What can I, what has to be fixed? Every month, we look back on the month and say, how can I improve? What could I, what, what can I do? And you know, the moon is compared to the Jewish people. The, 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 the moon waxes and the moon wanes. And you might wonder, why does a Jewish day start at night? Right, Shabbat starts Friday night. Holidays start the night before the the, the, the day. Right, so why is the Jewish um, day starting at night? So Rabbi Vigdor Miller points out a beautiful idea. And that is the Jewish people are compared to the moon, and the moon is, rules at night. Right, that why is the 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 luminary the 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 moon that represent the Jewish people at night, because that's the mission of the Jewish people, to illuminate the night when things might be dark and people are focused on maybe hedonism and they and just having a good time and partying and who comes on and shine, illuminates the night and says, no, my friends, we can be better. We can be great. We can reach for the stars. We can 
we can accomplish great things. Of course, there's nothing wrong with making a living and uh, having a good time, but that's not what life is about. And that's the message of the moon. The message of the moon is we're going to light up the night. And eventually, the sun is going to rise tomorrow, and then it's going to be bright and clear. And that's what the Jewish people's job is in the night when people when things are unclear to, uh, to illuminate the darkness. And then at the times of the Messiah, when the, when the, when the, when the Messianic age, when, when, when Mashiach comes and where the third temple is rebuilt, that's when it's going, God is going to be obvious, just like sun, sunrise. The God, God glory is going to be obvious. Let's seize the opportunity for the night because it's a tremendous honor to shine when things are dark. It's easier to, to serve God when God is obvious. The real challenge, imagine a king who's in exile, right? a king who's out of off the throne, people who worship the king or are servant to the king, even though the king is, is not in power and can't shop very well. So those people are obviously more here and dedicated to the king. But uh, you know when you're when you serve the king when you have to so then then uh, then that's a little bit less. So right now we have an opportunity in the darkness to bring light to the darkness. Serve God when things are dark, and that is the message of Rosh Chodesh and uh, the message of the Jewish people that uh, let's light up the night and uh, merit very very soon to live in a world where morals, ethics, values, acting godly, acting holy, acting spiritual is uh, the easiest and most obvious thing to do. Thank you, my friends, so much for tuning in. My name is Rabbi E. My email is Rabbi E at MER.org. If you leave us a review online, we would be very grateful to you, and we would have tremendous gratitude. Feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. 